Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Tannick. Happy 2022, everyone! We are starting season eight of Quilt and Tell. And let me tell you, we are so excited for our lineup so far this year. We think you are really going to love the guests that we are planning. Today, as usual, Ginger, Lori, and I are going to catch up. And then our guest in open studios is Varushka Zarati of Pride and Joy Quilting. Let me tell you, we have wanted Varushka on the show forever. And finally, in our Fine Finishes segment, we're going to be talking about paper piecing, so stay tuned. How are you both? Happy New Year! Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year to you, too. Yeah. I am so excited to see your faces. Yes. yes. Even <laughs> it's just been hearing, a while. Yes, and just hearing <laughs> your voices. I'm like, oh, I've missed it so much. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put a little disclaimer at the beginning. I actually got COVID for Christmas, so my voice is a little bit crackly and a little bit vocal fry-ish. Well, why did you put that on your Christmas list? What were you thinking? I, yeah. dang, dang it. I almost cursed. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we, you know, we decided that we were going to get together with our family because we haven't seen each other in two years. We haven't all been together. There's just nine of us, um, you know, and I guess we just had our own little super spreader. Um, you know, like the people who we were worried about had tests before we got there and tested negative. Um, but by, we were started on Thursday that we all got together. And then by Sunday, I know my husband started having some symptoms and he did a COVID test and it was negative. So we just thought it was cold. And then Sydney woke up and she, the next day, and she had a sore throat and then threw up. And so I was at first thinking strep, but she didn't have like their spots on the back of the throat. She didn't have that. And so I was like, uh oh, and then we had to leave. And so we got home and as we were hitting the elevation to get up, you know, to back to golden, um, Sydney, Sydney's ears were getting worse and worse. And so as soon as we got home, I took her right to urgent care, knew she had an ear infection. She did. And they decided that they would do a swab. And the person, the doctor said that um, they were, they had such an uptick over Christmas that 80% of the tests were coming back positive. Wow. Oh, man. So she was, we didn't hear, actually, by the time my symptoms had started that day, and then um, my husband and I didn't get tested for like two more days after that because it was so impossible to get in anywhere. And then we got our results before she did. And so we just knew that all of us were positive because we're in an apartment, you know. Right. And we had been in a car for yeah. 15 hours oh, driving. Man. So, so yeah. So I got COVID. I have been, um, it's now well over two weeks. It's like two and a half weeks since my, fir- our first symptoms mm-hmm. started. Um, maybe not two and a half, but close. And, um, I am still like not very high energy. Sometimes I cough and, um, I definitely don't feel great. I've been taking a nap every day. Um, I just sometimes I just don't even want to get up, you know, but I've been getting up anyway because I just think that's really important. And I've just been quarantining this whole time because I just don't feel comfortable being around people, you know, even if I, you know, I don't know if I'm still 
contagious or not. Right. So I'm just yeah. going to stay. I'm just going to yeah. stay here in my little space by myself and rest. And I've been watching lots of videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are Sydney and your husband doing okay? Or they, oh, they're uh, great. They're good. much good, better good, now. Good. They're all feeling fine. Um, and everybody else in the family is okay, too. I was really worried about my in-laws because um, yeah. they're in their Aww. 80s and they both got it. Um, but they're both doing fine. So fingers crossed. You know, I just kind of think this will just be a little bit annoying and slow because of all my autoimmune things. But right. What can you do? Yep, exactly. So um, I did want to just follow up on something. Yes, please. I know where you're going. Go. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm not sure which episode it was. It was in December. It was probably like maybe the first episode in December, not the second one. Um, but Lori and I were talking, we were, Ginger had asked about gifts for men and got like so much feedback from our our listeners, which is awesome. And I mentioned that I had promised my son a knife roll, um, for his chef knives and years ago and was too afraid to do it. So Lori sent me leather Mm -hmm. and then I ran into my neighbor who like, I didn't just happen to mention it to Jay. Jay happens to run into this neighbor and start talking to her and finds out that she is a leather worker. Like she has an Etsy shop where she makes and sells wallets and tote bags and purses. And so um, I, I talked to her. I found she would said she would loan me anything I needed. She had all the tools and I went and, and searched. I happened to search for a pattern, found a YouTube channel that had a video on how to make one. And the person made a custom made knife roll based on his tools and then made a pattern and offered it. He has it on Etsy, but he also, if you just join his Facebook page, he gives it to you for free. So got the pattern, went over and met with my neighbors and they helped walk me through how to sort of cut out and figure out a couple of the things on the pattern that I didn't know. And then um, let me tell you, I started sewing and um, started crying um, because everything went wrong. Oh no. So, uh, so I worked for hours, like hours. Um, you know, as soon as I would finish work, I would, I would start working on the thing. We were t- ordering takeout instead of dinner, like, like instead of me making oh. dinner. And, and so I'm like trying to get this to work. It's um, I had to learn how to dip dye some leather because I didn't quite have enough for the straps so she gave me leather, like fresh undyed leather, and then gave me dye to match as best we could. Um, and this is like the greatest neighbor ever. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I could get into a whole long story. I'll tell you later because it's really too long for the podcast. But, I mean, I get goosebumps. Like there was like whole goosebump things of like intersecting stories, like she's Native American. And so she said the reason why she was helping me was because I was a quilter and because um, Morningstar quilts are really important to her tribe and she doesn't know how to quilt. And so she's like, someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you for help. So that was sort of the short, short version of this story. So, um, so I'm like waking up at 4am to dip dye out on the porch so that I could like leave it out in the sun while I was at work, like all this stuff like that. And I get to the point where everything's cut out, everything's dyed. I have um, to start sewing it together. 
And that is when everything went wrong. The thread I had was wrong and it wasn't working. And so I'm like running out to Joanne's because that's the only place open that might have thread. I buy thread there. It still wasn't working and running through my machine properly. And so I literally wake up the next day and I'm, and it's the day before we have to leave. And I think there is no way that this is going to be done. So I am, I literally went to bed the night before crying, woke up, started crying again. And Jay is telling me, he's like, honey, it's okay. Like if you don't finish it, it's not a big deal. Like we have other presents for him. It's not a big thing. And I actually posted on Instagram and people were so kind because I was like, I need a miracle. Like send me your prayers, please. And people were like, it's okay. Like you're putting all your love into this. It's going to be fine. And so Terry calls me. First thing in the morning, because she usually sends me a text in the morning and she sent me a text and asked how I, or she thought I was leaving that day. And I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm in like sewing H E double hockey sticks, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like just miserable. She's so she calls and she's like, what's the matter? I said, I can't get the thread tension right. So of course it's Terry. So mm-hmm. Terry is like, what kind of thread are you using? So I tell her and I'm like, and I'm putting this in the top and this in the bobbin. And she's like, okay, do you have this? put this in, I think she told me to put a 40 weight in the top and then to leave, I had like a buttonhole thread in the bobbin. And she's like, try that. So I try that. It totally worked. It ran through the machine. But then the problem was that the feed dogs were scratching the leather. (laughs) And I'm like, oh no. Oh, I wouldn't even have thought of that. I'm like, I I didn't either. Um, And Because of the way that I had to layer it, I had to have the outside down toward the feed dogs because I needed to follow um, this. There were like these strips that I needed to put in where the um, it's kind of like where the knives butt up to the leather. I had to have an extra layer in there. And so I had to have the bottom up. And um, so she like she literally like waits a second and we're texting. She goes, do you have tissue paper? And I'm like, it's Christmas. Of course I have tissue paper. And she's like, you don't even need me to tell you what what I'm thinking, do you? And I'm like, no, I'm good. So I grabbed the tissue paper, put it underneath, and then ran that through. So then the only issue was that I had to pull out all the little papers. Right. It worked. So so then it all got done by that night. Like I finished it by the afternoon. They gave me like the whole punches for the making the straps, like everything. And, um, so I was so relieved. So, so excited. And, uh, oh, and the other gift that I had made for both of my older sons was I made them recipe books with like handwritten family recipes. I really didn't want anyone in my family, like, or me to pass away. Like I wasn't even thinking of anything, but I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to make sure that they have these recipes. We're having some issues with like his mom has forgotten one of her like family recipes from the holidays and we didn't have it written down anywhere. And so I made, I started these like last year, year four in Christmas and never finished it in time. So I spent the year like remembering recipes and writing it down. And so those were the two gifts that I give my chef son. And Jay and Sydney thought for sure he was going to cry over the knife roll, but what he ended up crying over was the recipe Aww. book. <laughs> so, um, so there were so, a lot of tears this Christmas. 
Um, multiple people Aww. got like special things because we hadn't seen each other. And then we all got COVID. So <laughs> it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But we're all okay. So we're, we'll be fine. So there, I've talked enough. I'm sorry for like talking your ear off for 15 minutes, <laughs> but I had to tell you guys. Thank you, Lori, so, Ugh. so much for sending the leather. You just gave me, I don't know, permission to do it. I was that makes so excited when you sent the picture of the finished knife oh, roll. Yeah. I just thought, what a perfect place for that leather. It's awesome. Well, and it sounds like the whole world just kind of the stars aligned for you to exactly. get that done. It really did. It was so Aww. stressful because things had like prevented us from getting together earlier. And so it got delayed and delayed and delayed and because they've got a baby and then Christmas shopping and like so we couldn't get together on the weekend. And um, so we were really like up to the deadline and I just thought I'm going to this is never going to happen. And then it just all of a sudden whew, everything yeah. happened. So there you go. So what about you guys? Lori, how was like Christmas with the Christmas tree quilt thing? The quilt We had a wonderful time. (laughs) I I wound up with 21 items underneath the Christmas tree. And I just pile them in a heap. They're not wrapped. They're not folded. They're just this big clunky pile. And I made a spreadsheet with photos that told kind of the story because some of them had family history in them. Oh, wow. Um, and we had 11 guests. And uh, I think one of my favorite stories is is our son Elijah had chosen one that he really loved. Um, it was actually the Roquil that I did. Yes. Okay. And the kids all draw numbers and they get to choose by the number that they draw. And somebody before Lige took that quilt. And, you know, he said, it's okay, it's okay. Not to worry. I'm fine. There's others that I like. But my grandson that took the quilt heard that Lige wanted that quilt, and he traded. it. And I just thought that was super, super sweet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So good. So no no massive fights over the quilts no, or anything like that. Good. <laughs> we've, we've never had any fights. Um, it, so far, it's worked good. <laughs> I love that. What about you, Ginger? How did everybody like their bags? Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. My sister-in-law, she had gotten hers right before because they were flying back east. And she sent me – I'll have to see if I can post it because it's hysterical. I had done uh, her purrs specifically in um, like that – it's like that red and black plaid that you see everywhere. And right. she just, her whole house is decorated in it. So my mom was like, oh, that's the fabric. You got to use that one for hers. So she sent a picture and she had her shirt with the bag <laughs> and her shoes matched. Oh, and it was God, beautiful. It's it. like, it was so perfect. And uh, yeah, so um, so that was pretty awesome. And then I was able to, even able, the day before Christmas, I finished up, I finished my mom's quilted bomber jacket and it, it just turned out so much better than I had ever anticipated. I got to quilt the, the fabric on it. It was really subtle, but it turned out so beautiful and I didn't think I was going to get it done. It was one of those, like, I'm just, I'm not going to finish this. It's not going to happen. And, uh, it did it all kind of like the stars all came stars together. All and, yep. Everything did. And I was able to get it under the tree and 
um, because I had taken that week off. So I was very thankful that I had that time. And I literally just sewed like it was my own sewcation. Like I did that. I made myself a pair of overalls out of green corduroy that I just adore. So it was great. I didn't get to do much quilting, though. Like I didn't actually quilt a whole bunch besides the jacket. So but it was nice just to, cause I had stuff that was just like all these projects that were piling up and I just, my pile, I still got a pile, but it's, it's a little smaller now. <laughs> nice. And, and Ginger sent me a photo of her mom wearing the jacket. Oh, so stinking cute. Ginger, yes. you did a great job. I'm pretty proud. Like I have to admit, <laughs> I'm pretty proud. So I'll definitely, I'll, I'll check with her. She'll probably be fine if I post it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, that way you guys can take a look at it. And the quilt along is actually still free until the end of this month over oh. at, uh, so daily. So we'll have to put a link. Definitely. Yes. Definitely. So, cause it's That's worth wonderful. it. And it came together so much easier than I thought. Cause it, it looked pretty intimidating. And then after I was all done, I was like, oh my God, that actually was not as bad as I had thought. So, and now Parker, my daughter wants one as well, oh, I bet. Yes. but she wants it. She wants it in satin. So I'm like, oh, great. Does. yes. I was like, all right, another challenge. I'm up for it. <laughs> Uh, Lori, do you have a picture of the the pile of quilts that we can I include can, too? I can send you a picture of the pile of quilts, and I can send you a picture of Lige and Tyler trading. Oh, Yay. perfect! I perfect. love it. All right, cool. Well, we'll put those photos in the show notes. And are you guys ready to go talk to Varushka? Oh, I'm excited. Yes. I'm yes. excited too. Let's go. Well, I'm not sure who's more excited, me or Ginger. <laughs> me, but today, me. <laughs> today in Open Studios, we have a very special guest. Varushka Zarati is here today from Pride and Joy Quilting. Um, we have been following you for well over a year, longer, oh. and just I'm like one of those people stalking you on Instagram. I'm so so glad. welcome to Quilt and Tell. <laughs> Well, thank you. The honor really is mine. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Ginger and Lori. <laughs> yes. No, I have to say, like, if you guys have not checked out her Instagram, it's one of those when I'm, you know, scrolling through, I stop every time when I see oh. one of your projects. Like, they are just beautiful. It's thank the you. colors. It's the the way they're so beautifully put together. Like, it, they're just, they do. They stop me every single time. So thank you for mm-hmm. that. <laughs> oh, the honor is mine. Thank you. <laughs> I found you because I follow, I must follow a like studio type hashtag on Instagram. And one day you did a, a photo of your studio and oh. it stopped my scrolling oh. because it was just, I mean, the Tula Pink Bernina and <laughs> all the pink and like the pretty colors. And I was just like, oh, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> And you know what's so funny, Tracy, now that you comment, you know, it's it's hard to know how much to share, like about your, your space, right? Or or the or like your quilting things versus like actual sewing. And so, you know, th- that whole space, it, it's a it's a funny, it's a funny thing because where my sewing studio started used to be like the catch-all in our master bedroom. So like it was where mm. we would leave, you know, suitcases and then when we had a baby, we had the crib in there and it was kind of like the, like the leftover storage space right next to our bed. And so as I slowly began to take it over, um, my husband now called it my, my sewing center. <laughs> I'm like sewing center. It was like our catch all like extra like space. Um, 
So, so it, it just slowly became more and more, as we know, when we fall in love with something, you need all the gadgets, all the trinkets, right? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) So yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. Well, and it's a beautiful space. Yeah. And are you still in that space or have you branched out? Is it still that catch all space? Well, we moved, well, we were in that home for 10 years and we moved right before Christmas. So our new home, yes, we were, we were definitely outgrowing it and there was a wonderful opportunity to make this transition. So we took advantage of it and we found a new home that was a little bigger for my two little boys. Um, But so even though my sewing space now is larger, there's definitely some sentimental, you know, I, I, I'm missing mm. it. I'm, I, this, I'm a very, very kind of sentimental, nostalgic person to begin with. Um, so um, I, I miss it, but I'm grateful for the space I have now, which kind of shows my priorities because the kitchen is a mess. The whole entire house is a mess <laughs> except my sewing room. <laughs> My husband's like, mm, I see where your priorities lie. <laughs> As oh, yes. Lori yeah. can probably relate to that. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lori just moved, so. It's, it's, but her whole it's family, Lori's whole family made it a priority. That's what mm-hmm. was so amazing oh, with her move. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the best. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. So I usually ask our guests how you how you got into quilting to begin with. Did yeah. you always sew or was it relatively new? I, I love this question because it gets me thinking of all of the wonderful sort of like different facets, right? Because it, it is a great starter question, but it's it's so it has such rich meaning for me. Um the the I I really began sewing after I had my two little boys. So my husband and I were married for 10 years and thought we couldn't have children. And, and that was a really rough, rough journey. Um, we finally found out we're pregnant. Like it was a total surprise. Like I thought, no, this cannot be happening. It must be a false positive. Maybe like I have something else happening. Um, but sure enough, I, I was pregnant with my first child. My doc says, you know, if you don't want a, another child, you should take care. I'm like, come on. I got one miracle child. It's not going to happen again. 11 months later, I have my second little boy. Um, yes, yay. And my husband was like, I was like, let's keep going. He's like, no, I can't. So actually, pride, <laughs> pride and joy quilting is them. It's it's my two little boys. Um, you know, they're so cute because uh, pride and joy quilting, I mean, it's it's now my little business name, but they really they really know it's them. They're like, mommy. So when I sent my quilt to QuiltCon, they're like, mommy, don't send off our quilt. Uh, you know, it's our, sp- I said, yeah. babies, we're going to get it back. But, but I digress. <laughs> All that to say. Um, so we finally have little boys. <laughs> um, we finally have our two little boys. I was at, at the time working uh, full time. Uh, I'm actually a therapist, a counselor, uh, professionally. And I was working in the counseling psych department at University of California here in Riverside. And I, I tried working part-time for a while, but, but, you know, I was like, my miracles finally happened. This is not a good fit for me. The whole time I was there, I was missing my babies, bothering my husband, asking, send me a picture now every five minutes. Right. So, so right. we decided mm-hmm. to make a major life change and I decided to stay home. 
Now, when you go from, you know, 10 years of being a professional, going to graduate, going to postgraduate and, and kind of like in that gear to shifting being at home, there are these pros and its cons, right? It was definitely the right decision, but it was yeah. very challenging because I felt like my heart and my mind, there's this, there's this, there's this, maybe this lie we tell ourselves that we have to be productive, right? What am I doing? What am I achieving today? And so after long days of like keeping my children alive (laughs) of diaper changes and feeding, and at the end of the day, I'd like kind of like numb, right? And so one day, um, I'm sitting with both of my children. I had a newborn and and a one-year-old, a little less than one-year-old. And my husband's like, Farushka, there's no room in the closet for the clothes that actually fit the kids. Like it's full of their old baby clothes. And he was right. But I said to him, you know what? If I give those clothes away to somebody, they're just hand-me-downs. But to me, every single piece of that fabric has meaning. Right. I picked this up and I said, oh, I remember this. I remember that. So I knew I couldn't give it away, but I had to repurpose it somehow. Right. So like a good modern day human being, I go online. Right. What what do I do with clothes? Uh, What do I do with baby clothes? And that for me, Tracy and Ginger and Lori began my Alice in Wonderland uh rabbit hole experience of happening on quilting. And so I put my babies to bed and I would immediately rush, put on my PJs, cop into bed, get a cup of tea and, and YouTube, YouTube as much as I could. And I, (laughs) baby, it was my overachievement. I became obsessed with learning and learning and learning. So I said to my husband, I said, honey, I think I know what I'm going to do with the baby clothes. Cause of course it has to be solution focused. Right. I said, I, I have a solution. Not because I became obsessed with, um, I'm going to sew, I'm going to, I'm going to make a quilt with the boy's clothes. And he's like, Oh, fantastic. So my, my sweet husband, then on my first mother's day with both of my boys, gifts me this singer sewing machine he bought off of QVC. And, and I thought, oh, you know, it was, it was very precious. Now I didn't even open that box until a year later. Cause I had a newborn and a one-year-old. I mean, I was, I was barely <laughs> surviving. Um, I opened it a year later. That was probably like 2016. It didn't work out of the box. So we oh, had no. to go. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And I couldn't return it because it was a year later. Right. Oh, no. Um, So we had to go all we had to drive two hours to get it. I mean, it it became this whole saga of just getting the machine fixed. So I finally get the machine fixed. And I said to myself, "Okay, I have a machine. I have fabric, but I cannot cut into that fabric. It's not like, oh, I messed up. Let me go get another yard of that precious baby clothes. Right. So I said, I have to know what I'm doing. Before I cut into those clothes. Cut four or five years later, I now have made, I don't know, half, dozens and dozens of quilts and, and patterns. And I have yet to make a dent on those baby clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made one quilt out of those baby clothes and I gifted it to my husband for Christmas. Um, but that's how I started sewing. And, and you know what? 
as in this in this year is I've gotten to know quilters and this really just warm, loving, supportive community of which is quilting. And I think a big part of that is so much about quilting is relational, is storytelling, mm-hmm. is warmth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think many of us are introverts and empaths to begin with. Um, but as I've gotten to know quilters, I, I'm amazed how much quilting is this very intergenerational relational thing. Like, oh, my mother taught me or my grandmother taught me or, you know, the ladies at church, we had this, this quilt ministry or, or like, it's this very communal intergenerational thing. And, um, and, and I love that. I, I, I love that for me, it wasn't, it was, for me, it was born out of necessity. Um, and, and, and what was interesting was that at there was something very therapeutic about it for me. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. the, the craft, right? Which is so fun. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think the reason why I stuck with it and why I dug deeper and, and challenged myself and tried different things was because there was very much this cathartic, uh, a, a, a therapeutic part of it. Like, I don't know how many of you relate, but at the end of the day of, of constant mundane ordinary, mopping floors, cleaning up babies, you know, pouring out of myself. There was something really therapeutic about coming to my sewing machine. And I knew that if I, there was this predictability, if I put these two pieces of fabric together and ran them through a machine, I I knew what would happen. I had something to show, look what I made today. And it's beautiful. (laughs) And it can, you you know, you you can use it. You can warm yourself up. Um, and and that's that's I think what I I fell in love with I fell in love with the not just the end result which is pretty awesome, which is you know this wonderful heirloom kind of thing, but there was something just so uh, uh, fulfilling to me about the whole process of quilt making. Um, so that's yeah, <laughs> I kind of went into that, but that's how I started. Um, what was I going to do with baby clothes, and then that led to where I am today. <laughs> That's an incredible oh. leap. Yes, yeah. it, is. it is. Well, and then to make an even bigger leap, where you landed, because your specialty is foundation paper piecing. How do you end up going down <laughs> that portraits. road? And, yeah, and, portrait. <laughs> like, and, and then it becomes art, you know, then it becomes oh, right. this, you know, like whole different realm of quilting that how do you end up there? <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's such a wonderful question. And I think that that's, a, um, it comes back to, what are the things that give you life? Right. So I, I love what Tracy was talking about my space. So, so the, the more I fell in love with quilting, cause I'm very much the type of person, my husband's very sweet, very supportive, um, in many ways. Right. But, but, but he, he would, he would be like, Frishka, do you need a different machine? I'd be like, no, you know, I don't want you to spend money because at the time then he became the primary breadwinner and then I was staying at home. Right. So we, we wanted to budget. Right. I, I said to him, no, I don't know if I like this thing. Right? I don't want to spend money on something I don't like. But then once, poor guy, once I really started falling in love with this, I was like, <laughs> I need to upgrade this machine, right? This singer song, I'm, I'm done, right? Um, all of a sudden, I, I would have a door. So the, my first sewing table was a door I got from Home Depot, wrapped it in fabric, and then put a, you know, and I was like, oh, I need to upgrade the table. I need better tools. I need better. So we had this ongoing joke of, Okay, Farishka, what new unicorn 
that's going to magically make your sewing experience better? Do you need now, right? Because then, because then, because then I was like, my my husband's name is Gustavo. I said, honey, we really, we really need to invest in a long arm because you know I can't finish any of my quilt. I hated so uh, quilting on a domestic. Uh, I was just not good at it. I that's it. I, I was not good at it. To this day, quilting is my least uh, developed skill. I'll say which means I'm not very good at it. Um, but it's definitely the skill I've, I've practiced the, le- the least. Um, but we had this ongoing joke of, you know, what new unicorn do you need now? Like my whole room is full of like little unicorn things. And um, so one day I, you know, after about a couple years of doing traditional piecing, loving traditional piecing, I thought, you know, I need to make, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him a little uh, unicorn block, right? And so I go online, like, like we do, and I Google unicorn quilt. And that's, I, there were a couple that went on some very, you know, two and a half, you could see there, they were very um, square like, which one, which was fine. But then I, by accident, right, searching, happened on this uh, pattern of a, of a unicorn head. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how they piece that together. Because I'm thinking still in my mind, this is traditionally pieced, right? But the angles are weird. They're very different. I was like, I can do this. I can do this. So I downloaded it. And I down- and I didn't understand what it was at first. I was like, wait, why is there paper? What? The foundation paper. Oh, so you use the paper and you sew through. <clears throat> so I learned probably the way most people should not learn, which is through the deep end with no instruction. <laughs> and you know, now that, I reflect, now that I reflect, I don't remember there being that many resources online about how to foundation paper piece. And I don't know if that's like, like, uh, you know, when you buy a car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere on the freeway. I don't know if it was that thing where now there's a lot of foundation paper piecing. <clears throat> Maybe there was, I didn't find it, but I definitely learned through trial by fire. I was like, I'm smart. I'm capable. I can figure this out. But there was a lot of seam ripping it happening in the beginning. <laughs> but the amazing thing was that once I, I like halfway through the project, something clicked and I was like, oh, this isn't as hard as I'm making it out to be. It's really not that backwards. And then it, I, I, I was, I was golden after that. And and I'll tell you, ladies, I felt such a sense of pride, like self, like I figured this impossible thing out, and I developed a rhythm for <laughs> yes. You know, I learned I'm not, I'm not drowning anymore. I can actually swim, <laughs> and and so that that's where the leap came from. And you know, now as I reflect on it. I'm really, really grateful that I happened on traditional piecing first because there is a discipline that when I'm talking about discipline, I mean a successful execution of something, right? I mean, you can give two people the same fabric, the same pattern, and they will both look distinctly different, right? And, And a lot of that has to do with these small uh, habits, um, these, these, these small practices that we do, you know, are you intentional about how you prep your fabric? Are you intentional about <clears throat> ironing out every seam or, or, you know, making sure that these little steps 
are done correctly so that the end of the day, the execution of your project is successful. Because I'll tell you, when I was learning to quilt traditionally, either my quilt blocks were a quarter of an inch too big or they were a quarter of an inch too small. So I'm now reflecting back, I'm so grateful that that I, I, I enjoyed and, and aimed because there were times where I didn't enjoy, but I, I remembered that I loved the process. And so how do you perfect that scant quarter of an inch, right? How do you, Fonz and Porter mm-hmm. taught me, she's like, my God, like take into account the quarter inch once it's folded. I'm like, how brilliant is that, mm-hmm. right? So that's why you need the scant because once you fold over the fabric, it cut, it, you know, so in the more I learned, the more I aimed to, to be intentional about every step and the more successful I felt at the end of a project because all these steps came together. Um, so once I found foundation paper piecing, I, it was my thing. Like even now when I look back, uh, uh, Ginger and Tracy and Laurie, like I was even, incl- I, I even had this inclination toward more detailed piecing, like Elizabeth Hartman, like I did her teddy bears, her penguins. Like mm-hmm. I, w- I had this hankering for more detailed piecing. Once I did that unicorn, I was like, oh, I have found the Holy grail of my heart. Like I, I loved the precision you can have with, um, it, the, the, the quarter inch scant, didn't matter because you're just so on the line. So that was kind of cool. Right. right. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah. So I, once I found FPP, I, I knew that was my thing. Nice. And I totally missed the joke of like, oh, so you found your foundation in the principles. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting on that one. <laughs> well, and I thought oh, when she's talking about the unicorn, what unicorn do you need? That's what Tula Pink called her machine was a unicorn. Was a unicorn. And that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, oh, it's about her machine. It's an actual, actual unicorn picture. <laughs> Which I actually had to get that machine because it was called Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, that's a requirement there. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. So the first quilt that I think I saw of yours was the Audrey Hepburn mm-hmm. quilt. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you were working on that way back. And yeah. so how in the heck do you go... Uh-huh. From making a unicorn and bears and penguins <laughs> to, to I- <laughs> creating portraits yes. of iconic figures. <laughs> That's such a wonderful question. And and again, it comes from like, so all throughout growing up, um, I have, I'm the child of immigrant parents to this country, right? So they were very much, Verushka, we know you love art and music, but you need an education, right? You need a profession. That, mm-hmm. So I would always kind of dabble. So even when I was in grad school and post-grad, I would take community college courses in color theory, um, art concepts, mediums, um, um, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Photoshop. So I, but that was just for fun, right? But then I was in grad school. Um, so I always had this, this uh, love for artist creative expression, right? Whether it was um, music undergrad, I actually did uh, a classical music and that's my whole, a whole nother life. 
But once I fell in love with foundation paper piecing, I tried getting my hands on as much stuff as I could. I tried commissioning a few ideas that I had, but I thought, you know what? I need to, I, I can, I need to figure out how to draft my own thing. Right. And I thought, well, how do I do this? And, um, Along came Jane, and I forget her name. I think her name is Megan. Um, I, I should probably write. But she she had this pattern design uh, uh, course, right? And she says, um, one of the, and this is traditional piecing, but the principle applies the same. She goes, just like with everything else, like, y- you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Study what is out there. See what works for you apply what works for you, give it your own spin and try things out. And I thought, oh, that's, that's brilliant. And so by then I had done quite a bit of foundation paper piecing and everyone did did it, you know, differently how they draft. Um, Mm -hmm. And there were some things that I found, well, it, it looks good on screen or like without the sew lines, but it sews very differently. Right. And and I'll talk about that in a little bit about what I personally think makes a pattern uh, more successful to execute and finish versus more challenging. But my idea was, okay, I'm going to I'm going to try designing something on my own. And I started off something really easy, like I started off with a heart. And then I went, you know, and these were just like playing around. And and at first I just got a, a, a piece of paper and I and my yardstick and I just started drawing lines. Right. And then I would cut those lines and I'd be like, oh, yeah, you really can't sew that unless you're an expert Y seamer, which I'm not. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So like (laughs) that's how I started. I would start uh, with a a piece of paper, a yardstick, cutting up the piece because that's what foundation paper piecing is. It's essentially a puzzle that you put together because with traditional piecing, you uh, oh, this is just. This is so fun to talk about. Traditional piecing, it's like <laughs> <laughs> little tangent here. I, I said to my brother, oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I said to my brother, yeah, I'm going to talk to these ladies about quilting. He's like, you're going to talk to people about quilting. So that would be like if I sat an hour with a group of guys and talked about wine all day, I'd be like, yeah, pretty much. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so with the traditional piecing, it's, it's sort of like this compartmentalized experience, right? Where you have, uh, you, you prep the fabric, you cut the fabric, then you sew, then you iron essentially. Right. And you make like one block at a time, like there's this repetitive motion with foundation paper piecing, you are doing each one of those steps on every shape. So, so it's a very different, um, different experience and it's very much like, like a, a puzzle. I mean, a traditional quilting is too, but less so because all of your blocks are essentially the same size, right? I mean, not always, but let's just take, you know, a regular, you know, they're all 10 inch squares. And so it's easy to, to put those together. There is a sequencing that happens, um, but there is a little bit of, of fudge room in that, right? With, with FPP, there isn't. I mean, a, a lot of work has to happen before you actually get to the sewing part. Because with traditional piecing or even like applique, there is room for improvisation. Um, so like, which is why generally I understand why portraits are, applique is, is, is the mm-hmm. method of choice. 
because you have a lot of round surfaces, rounding shapes, a lot of small detail. So with applique, you can recut a section like, oh, that that doesn't look right. You can you can create the highlights and the lowlights of a face just by the layering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I understand why applique is, is the more applicable, but but there is room for adaptation and modification within those practices with foundation paper piecing. That's not the case. Um, so what am I saying? Oh, I, I get so, so excited. Of course I, I you had to pick the harder technique. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, why not? Let's go in the deep end again, yeah. right? Oh man alive. That has been my experience. Actually, there's been so many deep ends and most of the time I've swum a couple times I've sunk. Well, no, I've sunk and then I've been rescued. Um, so I started with, you know, a, 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 a lines and then cutting them up and seeing if the puzzle fit and then it didn't, right? And then redoing it and redoing it. And once I felt confident enough, I thought, okay, what am I going to make? Like there's a lot of wonderful like flowers and geometric shapes and uh, animals and, uh, but what do I love? Like, like what is it that, that brings me life. Right. And, and I don't know if it's my therapist's heart, but all, all throughout my therapeutic practice, I've worked with, with women for in all different developmental stages in their life, from young girls to college students seeking identity. Who am I, you know, uh, to, to women uh, further down the developmental, uh, uh, you know, timeline where it's like, you know, my, uh, my marriage is dissolved. What do I do now? Or my children are gone. So there's always this identity, these issues of who am I truly as a person, as as this life continues, right? And and so, oftentimes in counseling and therapy, we talk about who our models are, who are the people that we look up to, and sometimes those are family members, sometimes those are uh, elders and leaders in our community, and sometimes you know they're they're celebrities. And so I thought, you know, who who would I who would I spend time because. Number one, drafting a pattern takes a ginormous amount of time, but sewing <laughs> up a pattern takes a, you know, it takes a long time. So I thought if I'm going to make something, it has to be something that, that is worth investing of my time and energy, right? So growing up, my mother learned English from listening to black and white movies of Audrey Hepburn. And we would always have Audrey Hepper playing in the background. And funny enough, my dad learned English from listening to the Beatles. Um, so I wasn't going to do the Beatles. I'm envisioning their accents right now. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It, they're, they're, they're amazing human beings with nice, thick accents. Um, and, and so I thought, Ooh, I think I want to do Audrey Hepburn. Like she, she, she kept coming to my mind, you know, an inspiration kind of like, I love the the book, big magic, where she talks about, um, inspiration. Mm -hmm. It kind of just hits you and you're like, where did that come from? And if you don't take advantage of it, it moves on to someone else. And so I thought, okay, let me, let me draft Audrey Hepburn and ladies. That was, I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. And and where I learned a lot was there is a huge, and I I think I said this before, but there's a significant difference between what something looks like on paper, on a computer versus how does it sew. And that piece, and I'm so glad I struggled through it because it was similar to the unicorn because you know, in a unicorn, it was the technique. I'm not getting the technique and then persistence and then breakthrough. I got it. 
And I felt Audrey was that for me design wise, where like the pieces weren't meshing or they were offline or the seams were too distract. I mean, I learned and I could detail more, but how from that, but it was, you, you got to get in there and try it and see what doesn't work because as a, you know, it's one thing to design something and sell it. It's a whole nother thing as a quilter to sit and struggle with it and say, no, like this needs, to, this can be easier. Right. Uh, so for example, my lion pattern that my, my latest one, um, one of the things I feel really proud about that, I mean, it's not my most complicated one, but what I feel the most proud of that particular piece is when I, when I, when I tackled it, when I went to, to uh, test the pattern, because I test the sewing myself, I don't send that out because someone else can say, oh yeah, this worked well, but they're not going to necessarily be like, what, what about this? What about, I, I'm the best person to do that. Right. And so the lion pattern actually turned, started out as something like 35 pieces. So it's 35 pieces of a puzzle. And I was like, no, I need to reduce this. I need to reduce this because the margin of error in foundation paper piecing occurs not within one single foundation mm-hmm. paper piecing unit, but rather when you join the pieces. Mm. So the less the less uh, pieces to the puzzle, the less foundation paper pieces I have, the easier it will be for someone else to execute that, right? Now, if I'm writing a pattern for myself, all of that doesn't matter. Right. I mean, I'm constantly right. aiming to to make it easier on myself, but like my self portrait. I, yeah, I, I don't know how in the world I would make instructions for that. But but with the lion, I challenged myself. How do I how do I create as less foundation paper pieces as possible, yet increasing complexity in the design? So that is something I'm constantly challenging myself with. And I learned from Audrey Hepburn. Um, uh yeah, that's that. So that's why I did Audrey Hepburn was because, you know, what do I love and what inspires me? You know, it's people and experiences and even 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 the designs in my Etsy shop, which are more simple designs. Mm-hmm. Um, they really come from a place of of what are the things what are the things that remind us of our inner strength? of our ability to overcome, of transformation, of change, of resilience. Um, so so they, they really come from that place. So I'm kind of curious because you've done lots of celebrities, lots of leaders, lots of, you know, you've done Oprah, you've a done couple, yeah. Martin Luther King. Yes, uh-huh. you've done a couple. Are there any concerns if somebody wants to go out and design those of any like rights infringement or anything like that? Because you're not selling them, correct? You're just, these, those are ones that are specifically for you. It, what are the, does anybody need to worry about that? That, that is a, that is a, a, a bullseye 100% level 10 question that is absolutely important. And well, those are the only ones I ask. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in this year, well, year and a half now, in this year and a half, the learning curve for me has been ginormous. So, so after, I'll go back to Audrey Hepburn and kind of lead into that question. After Audrey Hepburn, I did Martin Luther King Jr., right? It was 2020. Mm -hmm. Like the world seemed like it was going to just end, right? I mean, there was a lot happening. I wanted to do something that, 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 so, so my local church actually, uh, youth center was like, Rushka. we believe in you. What if you do something for our youth group? And I thought, Oh, what would I do? That's I'll do MLK. 
And so that, that was a whole process of designing too, which was very different than Audrey. Um, but after I did MLK, I, I posted on Instagram, right? Which, which was very interesting because at first I was posting all these quilting stuff on my personal account and my aunts and my uncles were like, what is this about thread? And like, <laughs> we don't care. So I was like, I better start like my own channel. Right. Mm-hmm. And once I posted my Martin Luther King Jr. portrait, like people started garnishing interest. Like, Vrushka, uh, like, do you sell this pattern? Like, how can I make this? And I was, and, and that was the first time that I thought, oh, do other people want to do what I'm doing? Well, that, that's kind of cool. And I knew enough to know that I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> like, like, because it's, there's a, there's two very different worlds between doing something for personal use, you know, something for your own mm-hmm. home, you know, th- th- there's really little to know because you're not, you're not commercializing off. You're not making mm-hmm. profit off of that. You're not, it's for your own personal use, right? I, I knew enough to know that taking something from a hobby to a business to like commercializing, reproducing is complicated, right? So um, to make a long story short, because I've been asked not to really talk about it, I, I pitched a book and it was accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, designs were approved, but, um, you know, Newbies as well as, as, as seasoned professionals sometimes learn together. And um, the book ended up having to be canceled because there were multiple permissions that are needed. So it's not just enough to have a fair use uh, 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 image of someone, uh, whether it's public domain or bought um, or not bought, you know, you just pull it off the internet. There's also other permissions there's there's publicity rights there's um something called social narrative uh contribution rights there's very like it's intellectual property law uh which is quite so you'll see that like um there are now on my on my etsy there's no portraits (laughs) yeah but that's part of my journey and and i'm grateful for it because i learned a lot and they learned a lot. Um, um, you know, having to hire an IP lawyer for myself was not fun, but mm. you know, it it all it all was a learning process, and they walked away fine, and I walked away fine, and um, I'm grateful for that experience because um, it showed me that sometimes when your worst fears happen, you're able to still keep going. And this community of quilting was so kind and so supportive that it made me feel like I'm not going to give up on something that I love. And that's what got me started on working on my self-portrait. I was like, you know what? I love quilting. I love designing. And this is heartbreaking. And I still have a little anxiety and, 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 and trauma from it. Um, But it was really, you know, the whole book was about activism, about women that have met obstacles and difficulties and overcame them. And I thought, well, if I'm not able to do that, and if, you know, this is an opportunity for me to overcome an obstacle and keep going and not give up. Yes, Ginger, when you're dealing with people's faces, everybody, 
Uh, it's very complex. I kind of went oh. on down a wormhole with that, right? It's very right. complex well, one, cultures. Well, first off, I apologize because it's so funny. I know we had mentioned your book before and yeah. I didn't know the history behind it. So in asking yeah. that question, I didn't realize we were going to go down that rabbit hole. So thank oh, you yeah. for talking about it. No, yeah. Oh, yes. I love this. Well, yes. we are coming up on on uh, on the end of this, but I want to let our listeners know that um, all of the quilts that we've mentioned will drop photos in the show notes so that they can take a look at them as you're talking um, and as they're listening to us. Um, and so they can see what we're talking about because your work is just truly amazing. Um, we'll also put a link to your Etsy shop. So if people are interested in learning more about uh, foundation paper piecing and some of your patterns, they can go there. Um Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your heart and your process with us. I think this was really fascinating and um, heartwarming. And thank you for sharing so much of your personal story with us. Yeah, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. So for our fine finishes today, we want to go ahead and explore a little bit more about what Vrushka was talking about, paper piecing. So I want to know if you guys paper piece or not. I'll go first. Not. Not. (laughs) I just, it's one of those things I've been dying to do it. But I feel as if like the commitment of time to learn how to do it correctly and then the actual process of doing it, I, I think probably, you know, at least until I get really good at it is is something that I just I feel like it's been more of a time thing than anything because I think I do want to do it eventually. Um, and I'll get there. I did teach a class that was a foundation paper piecing class that, um, or I didn't teach it, but uh, Jemima Flint, who's an Australian, mm-hmm. uh, a qu- amazing quilter. Like, oh my goodness, her stuff, she's tied with a ribbon, I think is the name of her uh, company. And oh my goodness, her stuff is so great. And so she had actually given me some blocks and I've taken her blocks and made a quilt. So I don't know if that counts, <laughs> but uh, I didn't take credit for it. I totally said that these were not, I didn't do the, they were little butterflies. And I was like, I did not do the butterflies, but it was a baby quilt and it was beautiful but yeah so I'm I haven't gone down that road yet but I know when I do especially after talking with Farishka oh my god I, I know I'm gonna love it so yeah how about you Tracy have you you've done some good amount right because I know you've done some English paper piecing I've dabbled sure. yeah. I feel like Eng- English paper piecing totally different thing and Diff- I do yeah. lots of okay. that yeah so foundation paper piecing is what Varushka was talking about where you're taking a pattern and breaking it down into into chunks based on how the fabrics need to create the design, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. Whereas English fa- English paper piecing is where you take um, like a paper hexagon mm-hmm. and make a grandmother's flower garden quilt. That's a little bit different. Um, but so I, over the years, have done, and I can still remember the first time I did it. Um, I We did a quilt for our guild um, that was like the... Um, the auction off quilts. Right. And um, I got to try my first easy patches on using, um, doing foundation paper piecing with that. And I loved it. And uh, because it was perfect. Like I had never made triangles so perfect in my whole life, but you know what? I didn't have to take out the paper. Mm. Ah, yes. I hate taking out the paper. And so while I've done it again over the years, and most recently I actually had to test a 
a Mary Hurdle pattern for, for quilt maker. I think it was quilt maker. It was either quilt maker or McCall's and it was a bear. And of course I had to make it more complicated by doing it in flannel. <sighs> Not sure why I just wanted it to be fuzzy. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it didn't turn out so great. Um, because one of the foundations was backwards. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so the nose and the butt touched. <laughs> <laughs> and so I still actually have that. And I like keep it where I could see it just to remind myself not to take myself too seriously. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not really, I just don't love the paper. Yeah. I could see that. What about you, Lori? Yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I love paper piecing because you can get such precise points. Um, things fit together beautifully. I use a larger needle and I shorten my stitch length significantly because that makes the paper easier to tear away. Um, but yeah, that's the bad part of paper piecing is is removing all the paper. I. I brought home some some blocks from work when we moved from the old office to the new office and they were going to go away that were paper pieced and quilted and they hadn't removed the paper. I turned that into a quilt and when you move the quilt you can oh, really? still hear the paper <laughs> crackling. No way. I oh imagine gosh, once Lori. it gets washed a couple three oh, yeah. times it won't crackle yeah. anymore, but no. it's pretty funny. Oh. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> well, I love that. Well, oh. all right. So so we'll see. We're the the Judgment is still out on Ginger and whether she loves it or not. Yeah, yeah so. I, I, I like I said, I the, just in all all signs are saying I, if I get started on it, I'm going to love it. So yeah. I, yeah. I just have this feeling. So the precision yeah. is really nice. Yeah, yeah, I think I would love that. And and you know, like I said, I have high ambitions. One day I will get there, and uh, yeah, it'll be you know who knows. I'll be I could be the next Varishka. <laughs> yes, yes. Won't that be amazing? Mm-hmm. It's got something to aspire to. Yes. Oh my you gosh. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. My goodness. And we'll be here cheering you on. Yay. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I don't want to jinx it, but the next show we will have Bonnie Hunter as a guest. Yay! <gasps> Yay! Yay! Oh. So I will be talking to you guys again before you know it. Yes. Sounds well, good. And stay safe, yes. Tracy. Yes, get better. You. I will. I'm resting. I'm resting. I promise. I'm going to go take a nap now. Okay. Good. Go sleep. See you next time. Bye now. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.